Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. We are continuing on our Hebrews series this morning. I'm continuing on with Hebrews 8 and 9. Who's been enjoying the series so far? Yeah, awesome. That's so good. Well, I want to challenge us again this morning that if you have not been reading along with us, can you read along with us? Because God has placed something on my heart this morning that I believe He wants me to share with our church, which is great. But I also know that there'll be people in this place that have read Hebrews 8 and 9 this week and God has given them something completely different excuse me, completely unique for them. God loves to highlight things in the Scriptures for you and I, and it may be different to someone else. So don't miss out on that opportunity to hear from Him directly through the Word of God. Catch up, read the Word, and um, yeah, see what God does in your life. Well, chapters 8 and 9 are all about the covenants, the old covenant, the new covenant. And there's a lot of um, uh, referral to both of them and what they mean and what it means for us now here on earth and what it meant for the audience at the time. But before we get into that, let me give you a quick rundown of what the old covenant actually is. So the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt all those years ago and God put on Moses' heart. He told him, I want you to go and get my Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses, along with the help of Aaron and his sister Miriam, they went back to Pharaoh and demanded that his people be let go. And after a series of events, the plagues, uh, they eventually were able to be let go from Egypt. And then they go on these amazing journeys, you know, parting the Red Sea. They see honey. Um, they see the manna fall from the sky. They see water come out of rocks. They see all these incredible things. But along the way, they were on the path to the promised land. And they're human, so they fall away from God. Some people are worshipping other idols, other gods. Some people just forget about God altogether And so God says to Moses, we need to do something about this. Can you go and build the tabernacle? And so he gives him really specific details about the tabernacle. Why? Because that tabernacle here on earth needed to represent what was in heaven. And so God said to Moses, please follow these precisely. And so Moses and the team, they went out and they built the tabernacle. Now, the purpose of the tabernacle is so that the Israelites were able to bring offerings and sacrifices. They would take them to the priests, so they might have sinned. They wanted to say thanks to God. So they go to the tabernacle, they offer or give an animal to the priest. The priest makes the sacrifice of the animal and then they are made whole again and right with God in relationship with Him. So the priests at the time would play the middleman. You had to go to the priest in order for him to make the sacrifice to God for you. So that's the old covenant. You couldn't just, you know, 
confront God. You couldn't just be in God's presence. You had to be made clean. And for that to happen, blood of an animal needed to be shed so that you could be made clean. Now we fast forward some time and we see Jesus. Before I get to that, let's read in uh, chapter 8 of Hebrews. It actually has a direct quote from Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Let's read that together. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord because they will all know me. Now, this happened way before Jesus walked the earth. It was a prophecy of what was to come, it was a prophecy of the coming of Jesus. And here in Hebrews, we see it quoted because it's so important. Jesus was planned well before we were even aware that he was a thing, where, that he was a part of God. And it was, it was prophesied. You know, Jesus came to earth and He walked the earth as a human being. He spent 30 years of His life learning and growing and sitting in the temples and wanting to know everything He possibly can. And then at the age of 30, he begins his public ministry where he begins to tell people what is to come, the kingdom of God, eternal life, who he was. And for three years, he embarks on that journey. And then we know that he goes and gets arrested and so begins the Passion Week. He goes, he gets arrested, he gets uh, he gets hurt, he gets ridiculed, he gets mocked, he gets beaten. He quite literally replaces a murderer on the cross. He takes his cross, he's on there and his blood is dripping. And the moment that he breathes his last breath and he dies, the new covenant is birthed. The new covenant Begins. You see, in the old covenant, blood needed to be shed in order for us to be made whole so that we could have a relationship with God. Well, Jesus came onto that cross. His blood was shed. He breathed His last breath. He died so that a new covenant was made, so that no longer do we need to go and make sacrifices. But now Jesus has died once and for all, and we no longer need to do that because we are set free. We are given this eternal inheritance from God, an eternal inheritance of grace, of forgiveness, of overwhelming love, because Jesus went to the cross, shed His blood, and He died. He was the perfect 
and final sacrifice. It talks a bit more about the promised eternal inheritance in Hebrews 9 and the start of chapter 10. So if you haven't read that, go back and read it because it really goes into depth of what that truly means for you and I. You know, the author at the time was was needing to re-emphasise the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Now you've got to imagine, put yourself in their shoes for a minute. They have for thousands of years believed and known that in order for them to be right with God, they needed to perform a sacrifice. They needed to offer an offering. And so they're going and they're making these sacrifices, but the author is saying to them, hang on a second, don't you remember Jesus died so you don't have to do that anymore? You don't have to. But I wonder, why did they keep going back to that? Is that not so much more work? Is it not so much harder to have to get an animal and make a sacrifice? Perhaps they had pressure placed upon them from those that didn't believe that Jesus was actually the saviour of the world. Perhaps they had parents, grandparents. No, we did it this way. You have to do it that way. Maybe, maybe it was just comfortable. Maybe they knew how to do it all and it was easy. So they just sort of slipped back into those ways. How often do we just get a little bit comfortable? And before we realise that we've slipped back into our old ways. Maybe the author was trying to remind them, don't fall back. It says in Hebrews 3 verse 12, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. They may not have been doing horrific, horrible things, but if Jesus is here and their old ancestral ways here or Judaism is here, they turn towards that and they've got their back to Jesus. They've turned away from Jesus. And the author of Hebrews is reminding us, keep your eyes fixed on Him. For that, for He is the answer. He is who has set you free. He is all that you need to worry about now. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15. Let's read that. It says, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once for all by His own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a hypha sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You know, 
A will is a piece of paper that you write who gets what when you die. Now, if you're alive, that will means nothing. It's, it's, it's just a piece of paper with some signatures on it. It has no purpose at that stage. But until you die, that's when it becomes something of significance. That's when it holds power. That's when we are able to give our inheritance to those that perhaps we love the most, to those that we consider the closest to us. You see, Jesus gave us the eternal inheritance when He died. Prior to Him dying, we lived or they lived in the old covenant. There was practices and principles that you needed to do in order to be in relationship with God. But when Jesus died, He activated this new will and therefore you are no longer expected to make a sacrifice. You are no longer expected to go through another human being in order for you to get to Christ. So Jesus was the mediator that stood in that place And when He died, He allowed us to have this connection straight with God. Nothing stands in the way anymore. You know, I was reading about Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 and something stood out to me. You see, the the high priests and the priests would never have stopped moving. They would never have been able to just sit back in the presence of God because they were constantly making sacrifices for all the people, including themselves. So they're like, make a sacrifice quickly, go back, get the next sacrifice, go back and make a sacrifice. They're constantly moving. Can I tell you that when Jesus died, it says, let me read the Scripture. It says Hebrews 1 verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat. Do do you understand the significance of, He just sat. Because when He was on the cross, He said, it is finished. It is done. He no longer needs to run around like crazy. No. He sits at the right hand of our majesty. Oh gosh, that gives me peace. To know that I don't serve a God that's running around like crazy, trying to make everything right because He already did. He already has. So he sits at the right hand of God. You know, if we now live in this new covenant where we are not expected to do certain things in order to be in relationship with God other than accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, then what is expected of us What actually makes us different? I want to change that word from expectation to desire. I don't actually think God expects you to do something, but rather He desires you to do something. You see, there may be people in this room today 
that have been told you're a mistake. Maybe you were told you were unplanned. Maybe you were told that you weren't wanted. Maybe you were told you were inconvenient. Oh, you're just wasting my money. Ah, oh, because of you, I can't work more. Because of you, the bills are higher. Can I tell you right now, there was never a moment where God believed you were an accident. There was never a moment that God believed you were unplanned. There was never a moment that He thought you were inconvenient. In fact, He, the God, the Creator of the universe made you. He planned for you. He has a desire for you. He has a will. He is ready to meet you if you are willing to step into relationship with Him. So it's a little bit less about expectation and a little bit more about desire. You see, Jesus is the perfect example. We're called to live like Jesus. He is perfect. We will never reach that perfection for we are human. However, we are called to to look at Him as an example. And as we do, as we model His behaviour, we begin to look different to the people of the world. I worked at McDonald's from the age of 14 and nine months. Yep. (laughs) I went to a Christian school. My whole upbringing, my whole schooling, I should say. I lived in a Christian home with pastors as parents. Anyone yell sheltered? (laughs) Nah, not really. Mum and dad were pretty good. But I was sheltered. I was sheltered because I walked into McDonald's and I was like, what the heck is going on here? And you'd always get that ripe old question. Can you cover my shift on Sunday morning? I was like, oh, no. I'm like, do I just say no and like leave the conversation or do I say no and explain I've got church, sorry. And more often than not, I'd be like, oh, no, I can't, sorry, like, I've got church. And a lot of people actually knew I had church because my sisters had worked there before me. They all knew we were churchies. That was our title, oh, you're the churchies. And not to, to make it so much worse, every Sunday night after our night service, half the church flocks to McDonald's and it's just like, hi, guys, I'm, I'm with this group of weirdos. No, they went weird, but... Sort of. But (laughs) we're just different. We're different. We have different values. We have different beliefs. And that the moment that they knew that you were a churchy, it was like, ooh, you don't swear then, do you? Oh. It's like, oh, I try not to. Oh, you don't go out and get drunk then. Um, no, not really. Oh, you don't sleep with your boyfriend then, right? Like no sex before marriage. No, I don't do that. There was these questions that were awkward. 
and confronting. And, and for them, it was like I had to live by these rules or else I was a bad Christian. But rather what I believe is that I wasn't having to live by those rules, but it was that I was choosing to live by those rules because I was looking at Jesus as my model and I was challenged by the way He lives. So I chose, I chose not to do some of those things. I chose to be a bit different. I chose to have those awkward conversations because I wanted to just honour and glorify my God and that is how I did it. Church, in this new covenant, it's less about you having to go and make a sacrifice, but rather it's about you being the living sacrifice. It's about you laying yourself down daily for the purpose of the kingdom. It's about us going into our workplace knowing I am here today for more than just my work. I am here to spread the good news of Jesus Christ by the way that I live. I don't walk into my school with my Bible Hey, do you know Jesus? No, but I walk in strong and confident in who I am in Christ. So when questions come at me, why do you not do that? Because I wanna honour my God. Because I wanna glorify my God. Because I know that I am actually able to not do that without fear of rejection. Because I actually don't really worry too much about what you think. And in actual fact, I worry a whole lot more about what God thinks. I'm not scared of Him. I'm in awe of Him. His reverence overwhelms me. And I want to bring glory and honour to Him. Cobes, you can come up. You know, we said earlier that Jesus, Jesus was the mediator. He came And He took place of a human so that we no longer need to go through man, through woman to get to God, but instead we can just be in relationship with Him. So if Jesus died for you, now what? Do you just live freely in knowing that you are forgiven Do you just live however you want to live because of God's grace? Or if you truly and wholeheartedly accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, it says in Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. I don't want my will for my life. I'll sell myself short because God's will is far greater, far better, far bigger than I could ever dream or imagine. When I accepted Jesus into my heart, I allowed Him to transform my mind. I allowed Him to transform my heart. It's a daily thing because it's comfortable to switch back into what I knew. It's comfortable to switch into what the people around me are doing. It's easy, it's less awkward. But I wanna allow 
the Creator of the universe to come and just transform me. It's worth it. It's worth it. You know, we're, we're gonna sing in a moment with the band. And I asked them to sing nothing but the blood. This new covenant that we now live in was only made possible through the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood, not the blood of the animals, but the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the One who now sits at the right hand of our Creator. It was His blood that has made us whole, His blood that has set us free. His blood that has offered us our eternal inheritance. It is His blood who makes you who you are today. So as we sing this song this morning, really, really think about the words. Oh Jesus, would You make me whole again? Jesus, would You wash me white as snow? Would you purify me? Oh, Jesus, would I come closer to you than I ever have before? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.